Hello, and welcome to NARC, Narcissistic Abuse Recovery Collaborators. You can visit me at my website, narctroopers.com, where you'll find links to my podcast channel, my articles that I write for Medium. There's over 250 of those, um, YouTube channel, um, and, and ways to connect with me if you would like to um, visit with me. So check that out, narctroopers.com. Today's topic is enmeshment and the narcissist. The narcissist uses enmeshment to engulf their prey. Um, can you feel the icy embrace as the levels of gloom start to rise, swallowing you up bit by bit? Are you aware of the advancing chasm as it swallows up your family, wrenching them away from you, consigning them to oblivion? The engulfing darkness causes them to vanish, and even their desperate cries and shouts become muffled and then extinguished. This was written by H.G. Tudor. Maybe some of you... Uh, follow HG Tutor, um, but I thought that that framed what we're going to talk about today. New research suggests that in NPD, Narcissistic Personality Disordered Relationships, the NPD disordered person entrains their partner whose brain will synchronize with it. This pattern becomes more established the longer the couple interacts. Imagine a hive mind, which um, has existed in nature since the dawn of life on Earth. Bees, ants, termites, and even some migratory birds display characteristics of this hive mind where the entire group behaves as, as if they are controlled by a single mind. In a relationship with a narcissist, all minds align with theirs so that they become one single-minded organism controlled by the narcissist. There are moments, bits and pieces of life, that remain fresh and vivid after many years. I call these moments frozen moments or snapshots, snapshot memories. When a narcissist targets their prey, they intuitively abscond with them, taking them away from their friends and family, isolating them, locking them in a prison of passion and pain. You know, I don't think any of this is calculated or planned in advance. Maybe with a psychopath, uh, that's more the case. But with the narcissist, I just think it's simply that they are predators. And their actions are simply what predators do instinctively, intuitively. It's just ingrained in there and it comes natural, as natural as breathing. Does a shark contemplate their next move when they smell fresh blood, uh, bloody chum in the water? No. Does the uh, lion premeditate how they will execute their next kill? No. Does a snake slither around, plotting the details of the next venomous bite? No, I don't think so. It's just what they do. It's as natural as breathing.
it is survival. It's nothing personal. A predator has to eat, right? And who can blame them? You probably stumbled into their habitat anyway, silly goose. You should have stayed in your lane safely on the path away from the dark woods. <laughs> I am sort of kidding, but not really. Um, you know, if we do stay on the track and out of those woods, where we have a lot lower risk of having this horrible stuff happen. So, you know, what were you thinking? Well, maybe you were trying to save them. From what? You know, who are you to know what is best for them? They warned you, didn't they? Uh, that they're happy living their wild and savage lives, satisfied with their food supply, content to be king of the jungle, you can't put a suit on a monkey. <laughs> Trust me, I've tried that one. Uh, it looks crazy. Um, and uh, no one in their right mind would probably even try to do that, to put a suit on a monkey. Um, but, you know, you have some, maybe you have some mommy or daddy issues or something that compels you to get too close to something so dangerous and deadly uh, thinking foolheartedly that you're going to be the one to tame this beast. No, it just isn't going to happen. You know, we all had some ideas like this. Th these are the things that probably some of us were thinking. And, you know, they never, ever, ever work. The narcissist may have uh, something called discontinuous memory, but I don't. <laughs> I remember. I don't have discontinuous memory. Mine, unfortunately, is very, very continuous. Kind of makes me wish for something like um, Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. If you've never seen that movie, you should. And it is from that memory, this, I have, it's too good of a memory, actually, um, that I have learned and am able to have empathy for others. It is necessary, even though it's painful and horrible. We need it because it's a, it's a, it's a good teacher. Long before my narcissist husband and I went to the next level and consummated our unholy alliance, I was already captivated and helpless to resist the madness that ensued. I know now that I was being fattened for slaughter in a kind of silence of the lambs kind of way. And I remember with agonizing clarity the crisis of conscience that happened as parts of me the healthy parts of me, the strong parts of me, and the virtuous parts, they tried to resist, and they tried to run home from, to safety, but I failed. It didn't work. And those pivotal moments in the beginning, as I was groomed and seduced, those weeks and months plucked me out of my life and dragged me into the rabbit hole. Fun, it's like a rabbit hole funhouse of a madman. What does that look like? Well, let me share a couple of frozen moments for you. Months before we had ever coupled, uh, he would come over and ask me to take a friendly drive to go see this or that. Knowing that I still had a young uh, teen at home, he would show up at times when I needed to be mom dinner time, homework time, bedtime. I remember not wanting to get in the car or leave. You know, single parents don't have that option. You have to be home with your 
kid, even if they are a teenager, you know, you don't just abandon them and take off somewhere. Or if you do, it's just for a quick jaunt to pick up something at the grocery store or go get some carry out or something, but you're not just going to take off and go on some weird adventure. Um, that's just not what you do. I remember not wanting to, to do that. And, and I would reluctantly say, you know, okay, you know, okay, well maybe for just 30 minutes, but I got to get back. I just don't want to leave her. Um, it doesn't feel right. I, I got to get back 30 minutes. That's all. And so we drove to a vacant field across town where we sat in the dark and he said this was his special childhood place where he had come to look at the sky that was filled with stars when he was little, when he was growing up. And then it got crazy. He said he wanted to try something and he asked me to recline my seat and close my eyes. I kept thinking that I needed to be at home, that I wanted to be at home. But here I was in the middle of a field, a vacant lot, sitting in a car with someone who made me feel like I was losing my mind. I kid you not. It's really happened. He put on Radiohead. Um, you know, music is the ultimate tool to entrain a victim. And then he said, I'm not going to touch you, but I want to see if you can feel this. And as the music wafted into the still night air, this creepy wizard moved his hands over my body without touching me to the sound of Tom York's transcendent and angelic voice. And I actually felt the energy flowing between us without him ever touching me. It moved and it swirled and it wrapped around us in colors, in rainbows. <laughs> no pun intended, like the CD in rainbows, Radiohead, 1990s. Okay, uh, early 2000s, maybe. Um, so all of this was going on. He, you know, like he was just some strange young guy who could do magic. And in those moments, he was... <laughs> more than that. It's like he transformed and he was my home and I forgot everything else, who I was, who was waiting for me at home and what I was doing, where, where this could take us, where it might end. You know, two hours later, two and a half hours later, I arrived back at my house. Vacant and numb, ecstatic, but guilt-ridden. And, you know, it, but it didn't matter at this point. It was already too late without ever a physical touch from this person, without ever uh, any normal courtship or uh, dating or anything like that. Just weird things like what I just described, the moving of the energy with the music and the, and the stealing me away, isolating me, separating me from the herd, from, from, my child from my family. So something unexplainable and insidious was happening. And although I desperately tried to resist, I did. I tried to be the person I had always been, make responsible choices for the most part, um, do the moral thing, almost always ethical, honorable, moral thing. I worked hard. Um, I tried to devote all my time and energies to my children. And um, this was the last one, and I had to do right by her 
You know, I kept negotiating and bargaining and losing my footing on a crumbling precipice with each and every step that I took towards him, and I could not stop, even if it was the death of me. I felt like something was pulling me back to my home and my family while I was sliding down this slippery slope, this, this mountainside, and picking up momentum as I went faster and faster over the cliff. You know, I would feel a crushing pain in my chest like my heart was breaking and my soul was being torn from my body. Yet, I went with him, willingly, reluctantly, thoughtlessly. Clearly, he had no respect for the life he was stealing from me or the people who loved me and trusted me who were witnessing this debacle in shock and horror. While the better parts of me were screaming as loud as they could and trying to make me stop and wake up, I couldn't get my breath as I felt my whole body surrender and everything that ever mattered to me the most, the most sacred parts of myself, the most sacred parts of my life, and the people who were sacred to me were extinguished and replaced with something dark and dirty. I felt bound to this interloper, tethered to him in, in ways that I couldn't explain. Nothing made sense. Everything was upside down, and I was underwater. So another frozen moment memory happened a few months later. Still, we had not ever made any physical contact. Nothing. It was, you know, and this could best be described as a mind snatch. That's what I think. Um, because it's just insane. It doesn't make sense. What could be more powerful than something like that, right? I literally lost my mind when I allowed his mind to mesh with mine. We were sitting on the sofa in my den, and he had uh, infiltrated my home and spent a great deal of time there at this point. And I felt like someone who was um, blackout drunk in his presence. I could only see him, hear him, and everything else about my life just faded to black. The things and the people I loved the most had devoted my life to and had been my anchors and my direction in life. All of this just floated out of my reach. I could not hear them or see them clearly. They were in a fog while he was ever present. And it kept getting weirder. One afternoon, when my arm touched his, I suddenly felt a vibration. It shocked me at first, but I wanted to understand it, so I moved closer beside him, and soon my entire arm and entire leg that were making contact with, with his began vibrating. The shaking was like 20 electric toothbrushes or one of those vibrating beds in hotels in the 1960s and 70s, you know, the ones that you put the money in and <laughs> they started vibrating. So it was like that, and it lasted for like a good 10 minutes. What the heck was that? To this day, nothing explains it. I remember what that felt like with keen fidelity. I asked him, what was that? What? Well, like, what has ever ha has this ever happened before? Did, did you feel that? Did, did you do that? 
his response, he turned away and lifted his shirt and he said, look at this. Have you ever seen anything like this either? And then he moved his arms and his shoulder blades popped out like angel wings. He said, am I a freak? And then he said, this isn't normal, is it? Have you ever seen anything like it before? Well, I had never experienced literal vibing with someone, nor had I ever seen somebody that looked like they had amputated wings on their back. Some kind of weird double, triple, quadruple jointedness or something. Ah, within four to five weeks of this event, we entered new territory and we shared more than energy, which sealed the deal, sealed this tacit agreement that we would accept one another unconditionally until death and beyond. I did not know it at the time, but I would lose everything, everything because of him. Um, you know, I, I don't know how to explain it. Every single part of my life and everything I, I lost. I also didn't know that I was entering a, a mutually psychotic fantasy that would end in my own death. Breaking the spell is hard. And since you have given up your independent sense of self, you feel like it would be very hard to look at things critically. And, you know, you pr probably you were a child who grew up with either narcissistic parents or something, you know, the, so that the process of breaking the spell is virtually impossible. And that comes from Linda Heath Hatch, uh, PhD, March 2013. She said that, you know, through the next 15 years of marriage, the entrainment, the enmeshment, and they are similar, but not the same. Enmeshment is a healthy kind of uh, synchronicity synchronicity between two people where there should be boundaries that's enmeshment and um, entrainment is a type of conditioning um, a, like joining a cult um, and it just keeps going you know the music infused routines the same touch at the same time in the same place uh, the the, the concert of meal prep time, how it, everybody had their roles and just went through it like a dance, uh, bedtime rituals, sleeping positions, habits of mind, everything and anything to nourish our shared fantasy and lock down that entrainment, that conditioning, um, that brainwashing. Narcissists have one main technique for putting you in a trance. They take over. They draw you into listening to them as they talk about themselves or about some other thing as it relates to them. And their word salad is unsettling and hypnotic. And then they use energy and other dark predatory moves to catch you and swallow you whole, internalizing you and dissolving you like acid. You disappear completely, helpless, in shock and stupor, paralyzed. Entrainment is conditioning. It is a cult-like mind control 
um, a kind of mind fuckery that is a powerful way to absorb someone totally. And that's what narcissists do. They internalize the external. Think of monsters like Charles Manson and other cult leaders. They hypnotized vulnerable victims and controlled their minds. Uh, their prey would do anything. They were told because their mind was no longer their own. They would commit murder and other atrocities. They would drink the poisoned Kool-Aid and surrender their lives without question. You know, in today's world, we see countless brainwashed people who hold on to ideologies that they think will remedy their hopeless despair of their lives, but it's not true. It's, it's, um, they've been brainwashed. Dr. Sam Vaknin says entrainment is part of all narcissistic abuse. It, he needs you to conform to the internal snapshot of you in his inner landscape. He has, uh, has to break you so you don't deviate from the internal object. They condition you and mold you to render you um, compatible with the shared fantasy where you become an object in a role play where you have no agency or control. That's what he says. Take it from one who knows. That would be me. Um, it's only going to end in death and destruction. It is easy to think uh, that one that this would never happen to you. That you are stronger and wiser and not some weak, vulnerable fool. But it can happen to anyone, I think. To anyone who has a hint of vulnerability. Um, and we all have our weak spots, don't we? Just remember, it's not our fault. It's not our fault. There was little we could do under the circumstances, given our personal history and our current situation when it happened. Forget the blame and shame. It happened. So now we have to figure out just what was that that happened? What, what they are and what we can do to get free of them. Do you feel the leaden weight of this darkness pulling at you, slowing you, and seeking to engulf you? Do you recognize how it prevents you from breaking free this glue-like morass which has fastened onto you and will not yield? Do you know who you are or who this vast amorphous darkness eradicated your sense of being? Do you remember what it was to feel uplifted, joyous, and happy? Or to have, your, have you become accustomed to the flat, perilous embrace um, that this, of this total darkness? Do you feel anything anymore other? Or has the cosseting black cloud anesthetized you, numbing and freezing? Do you feel the darkness? No, you never do. You never see the darkness until you have seen the light. And that was another excerpt from our HG Tutor. So guys, um, what is my message today? 
Um, you, I, th I think you probably already know about enmeshment, but entrainment is a completely other other thing. So those two subjects, I hope you will do a little deep dive, digging around, research with, uh, because entrainment and enmeshment. And look up what Sam Backman, Dr. Sam Backman, has to say about it. It's very, very uh, on point with all of this. Okay, guys, let's continue on our journey. Keep recovering. Keep getting stronger. Keep growing yourself. And, and, uh, and let's not be part of that dark world anymore. Let's steer very far and clear from it and try to do our best to restore what's left of any relationship that might still be the kinds of ones that are genuine, real, and authentic. Okay, much love. Bye.